Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Surfcast, Mobile Surf's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I am Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech. He's across the internet for me. He's got a matching Canada shirt and hat on. This no, one, this I isn't think. a Canada shirt. It's just got red no. on it. Okay. It's well, it's the like, same color. Oh, right? yeah. I guess it kind of does look like maple leaves from far away, but they're just like little red flowers. Your camera's following you around when you move. You're, you're living in the future. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know if I like I guess I'll have to attach that angle when I had <laughs> the podcast, but I have my iPhone attached to the MacBook Air, which is running the next Mac OS beta, so I can use camera continuity, which allows me to put my iPhone on a stick over there and it just is a cool camera, but I also am recording from my regular camera as per usual over there. So happy to be here. Happy to talk about uh, Google, you know, Rick Osterlow and the boys. Rick Osterlow and the boys. (laughs) Okay. And we also have John on the show this week. How are you doing, John? Doing pretty good. Um, I am thriving in this fall weather. Uh, Mm, Screw summer. It's too hot. Um, And screw winter. It's too cold. Give me this perfect, you know, 15 degrees sweater, sweater weather, but still nice. That's do you leave your windows open when it's I do, type of actually. Weather? Yeah, me too. Um, um, it's very, um, it very warm in my apartment, um, so I have the windows open right now. I'm loving the temperature in my house, but not the dust that comes from my windows being open. The dust makes me sad. Mm, yeah, yes. dust is tough. My house is full of dust all the time. Every every year, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna review some like air purifiers. I'm gonna try to like solve this problem, and I never do it. So someday, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? So this week, we're talking about all things Google and Pixel related. This is the October sixth Google Pixel preview event. We're gonna talk about the Pixel Seven, the Pixel Seven Pro the Pixel Watch, and then maybe delve into like whether or not we might see a couple surprises at the event. I don't think we will, but we'll we'll talk about it and, and talk about why we probably won't see anything. Um, so I guess first off, I just wanted to kick the show off with the Pixel 7. Um, I think for me, someone who's been in this industry for a really long time, what I find fascinating about Google's like lead up to the release of new Pixels, I guess probably since the Pixel 6, maybe even the Pixel 5, is they like reveal stuff way ahead of time. Like we already know a lot about this phone, not even just based on the leaks, but like based on official information that Google has released. And I know I don't have this in the notes, but I'd like to talk about that a little bit because I think that it's it's very different and it's in stark contrast to what Samsung and um, Apple do with their smartphone and even even just like beyond smartphones, like device releases, like Google's teasing this stuff itself long before leakers are even dropping anything. The Pixel 3 was just like out in the wild and people were like capturing it. If I if I'm remembering that story correctly, I think it was John that saw it. Yeah, it, it was me. Uh, it was a little magic mobile eyes. syrup 
a little mobile syrup goss. I was, <laughs> I think, I think I was still an intern at the time and I was riding into the mobile syrup office on the streetcar and I saw somebody using the pixel three and I like snapped a picture of it. But then we were Super. like, Google will be really upset if we break the story. So then <laughs> we like did it in a, in a weird way. Um, and I think Google yeah. was still really upset, if I remember correctly. I remember being on yeah, very, very angry that, calls. That wasn't the the only one. Like there were after that, there were other people who saw people using the Pixel Three on the TTC and were like snapping like pictures and sending the them to us. Yeah. Um. So that was like a whole thing, and um. Yeah. So I I think that happened, and then I think it was the Pixel Four where Google started the trend of like we're gonna announce certain things about the phone ahead of time. We're gonna show off like an official render of the phone, and we're gonna do it super early to take the wind out of the sails of leakers. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, they've ever officially said that's why they do it, but that's always kind of been my hunch. Cause yeah, I remember that with the pixel four, they like showed off the phone and everybody was freaking out because of the huge forehead with all the face ID camera stuff for um, not face ID face unlock is yep. the Google, the Google version. Um, and then they did a bunch of stuff showing off like all the different sensors and how the face unlock work and stuff like that. And they did all I that. I think that knowing... one that was like a kind of a cross between what they're doing now, though, that was like their first step in. Because I don't think they revealed the entire phone. It was like, here's the top like third of it. Like you said, like I remember just seeing the forehead and that like big like sensor post. But I don't think it was like now where they were like, it's a random Saturday. Here's all the pictures of the pixels and the pixel watch. Like, yeah, and that's literally what happened, wasn't it? Didn't yeah. they release this stuff on a Saturday? I don't think it was Am a I Saturday. Right? I know I was on vacation, so it felt like a Saturday to me, but I'm not sure if it was. But yeah, um, that's anyways, my that's intro. my hunch. It all started with the Pixel 3, uh, specifically the Pixel 3 XL, because that had the really big notch with the two cameras in it. And that leaked and everybody lost their mind because they're like, oh, this notch looks awful. And that was the press cycle for like six months leading up to the launch of the Pixel 3 was everybody just just dumping on the Pixel 3 XL notch. Um, I just remember people saying so, like, you can land a plane on that thing. And I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> It was, it was good. Good for the memes. Uh, yeah, it was good. good. For, there was a high Google. point for tech memes for sure. So one of the things is someone who like the last time that I personally covered like a Pixel was I believe the Pixel 2. Um, so like I edit your guys work. I run the website. So like I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on in the world with Pixel and Google. But for someone like myself who like doesn't know the intricacies of the differences between the seven and the seven pro. Can you break that down, John, and just explain like, I guess based on what we know so far, at least what the difference between the two phones is in terms of like what Google's shown off so far and the rumors that we've seen from various leakers. Yeah. So um, the way that I would approach it is I would say based on what we've seen so far, it looks like the pixel seven and the seven pro are going to be very much iterative, um, updates they're going to be s updates if you will um to borrow some nomenclature from the apple release cycle i miss those days um rp so you know the pixel 7 and 7 pro they're going to have second gen tensor chip so there's going to be some performance in improvement there but beyond that they're basically the same almost identical screen sizes i think the pixel 7 screen is going to be 6.3 inches instead of 6.4 uh, according to the rumors, so slightly sol smaller there, um, just very minor changes overall. Um, 
And then on the design side, uh, the biggest change is um, from what Google showed off, the edges of the phone and the camera bar are going to be like a more glossy, um, like a stainless like steel or brushed metal. aluminum or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, As opposed to Pixel... last year where it was glass. Yeah. Only on the Pixel 7 Pro though. So let me just grab my six here. The six, if you're uh, watching the video cast, it's got kind of like a matte finish on the aluminum bar that goes around the edge of the phone. And then the camera bar itself is like a glossy glass. Um, so on the Pixel 7, the smaller the Pixel 7, it's going to be the same matte aluminum, but it's going to go across the camera bar as well. Oh, um, okay. And there's going to be like a little glass oval where the cameras are. And then on I the Pixel grab my 7 Pixel. Back Pro, in one uh, the metal is going to be like a glossy aluminum. I think it's supposed to be aluminum. Um, uh, it looks like aluminum like really in the shiny. pictures. Yeah. Uh, and then again, that's going to go across the camera bar with... Uh, two circles because the Pixel 7 Pro has three cameras. And that's going to be the other main difference is the Pixel 7 Pro, again, is going to have, uh, it's going to have your main 48 megapixel sensor, which is the same as what was in I think the uh, Pixel the 6 have 50 Pro. megapixel sensors. What's that? I'm pretty sure the Pixels have 50 megapixel sensors, not 48. Uh, it's the same sensor as what's in the, the 6 and 6 Pro, which was 48 megapixels. Um, yeah, so same sensor uh, in... Same main sensor, uh, I think same ultra wide sensor. Uh, there was a whole like camera leak that went through all of this stuff. Um, and then the 7 Pro is supposed to get a 48 me megapixel telephoto sensor as well, which is gonna be an upgrade there. Um, and the, the Pixel 7 is gonna keep just the main sensor and the ultra wide like the 6 had. Um, so really not a huge difference between the 7 and the 7 Pro. Um, 7 Pro is going to be bigger than the 7. It's going to, I think it's supposed to have a rounded or a curved display edge again, but it's going to be more subtle than what was on the 6 Pro. It's not going to be as dramatic of a curve. It's going to have that extra camera, bigger screen, bigger battery. Presumably it's going to be 120 hertz display again, and the 7 will be 90 hertz display again. Um, no, and, and just going from industry of, trends, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like LTPO2, like going down to that one hertz, like to save yeah. battery life if that actually happens or not. But I, that we see on like every flagship leading up to this. So I, I expect it to be here again on the yeah. Pro at the very least. Uh, the Pixel 7, like I don't expect them to change much um, in terms of the screen because there's already, in, in my opinion, there's already not a lot of stuff that differentiates the 6 from the 6 Pro. Um my so six screen them... was really bad though. Like it was just like a bad screen. Like yeah, I think you saw it when we did the test. Like it had that rainbow effect, and you could see the fingerprint sensor like through it in the sun. It was just not a. It was fine, but there was definitely moments where I was like, "This is like annoying." Like it's green in one corner and magenta in the other, and it's just like not great. Maybe maybe you got a bum unit because my Pixel Six was yeah. pretty solid. I haven't had any issues with the screen. Um. But then also maybe I got lucky and I got a good unit and everybody else got bum units. Who knows? So what what about the tensor? Like I last year hmm. that was the big game changer was Google's like making its own chip, similar to what Apple's doing, similar to what Samsung does in some regions. I know that the tensor was a little bit underwhelming compared to what Qualcomm was doing as well as what Apple was doing. This year, based on like what I've seen, the tensor two is an improvement but it's not that much of an improvement. And the expectation is that it's probably not going to go like toe to toe with Apple's A series chip or, 
the latest Qualcomm chip or whatever, but it's still going to be better. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. So from what I understand from what's been shared uh, via rumors and stuff like that, because um, there hasn't been a lot that Google has said about Tensor uh, so far, other than I think they officially said that it's Tensor G2 is what they're calling it, Tensor Gen 2. Um, and outside of that, like all of the rumors so far have kind of just said it's going to be a little bit better than Tensor Gen 1, but like not significantly better. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. The whole thing with Tensor was that at least the way that Google kind of pitched it was it wasn't ever supposed to be a powerhouse chip that was going to go toe to toe with Apple's A series chip. Okay. I didn't realize that. Um, the, the goal with Tensor from what Google has said was that they wanted it to really amp up their machine learning and yeah. intelligence stuff. Um, and so that's where the focus is. The rest of Tensor is kind of just like bare bones, what you need to have a decent flagship phone experience. Um, and they put most of their investment into the machine learning aspects. Um, and I think that paid off. Wait, can I just jump in? I was going to say maybe like, it's kind of weird though, because the, like for the marketing perspective of it, like the speed is like so easy to market. You're like, it's fast. People love that. But with Tensor, it's like it has all these tiny like ambient improvements that is like really hard to notice like day to day. Like last night I was using my Pixel 6 on the couch and I don't, I don't know why I never like do this, but I use Google Assistant on my phone to turn off the lights. And I'm assuming because of Tensor, it happened like way faster than when I talked to my smart display over there. Um, but it's like those things you don't notice a lot day to day and it's hard to like market on top of them. I'm sure there are other things like the translate stuff. If you lived in like a multilingual area would be game changing but there's a lot of it that's like almost feels like swept under the rug because it's not what we would normally expect from like a phone upgrade if you know what i mean not that it's bad but it's just like hard to market because of that no that's that's a really good point and i think i think that's a really accurate or like a really good way to look at it because for me when i was reviewing the pixel 6 last year with tensor gen 1 um, coming from previous pixels that ran on Qualcomm Snapdragon chips, it was pretty easy to notice the difference in, you know, some of the features, like the one that always kind of blew my mind was the, the improved voice to text that's available on pixels. And it's like creepily accurate and insanely fast. It's like you hit the button, you say what you want to say and then, and send the message without touching this, the phone again. Yeah, that was something that Apple added in iOS 16, and I still don't think it's near what like Google added with Tensor. Like I think Tensor is just, like you said, quicker and more accurate, and other people are playing catch-up in, in those areas, which is a good point. So it's it's one of those things. It, it'll be a little bit hard to notice, I think, unless you're coming from a previous Pixel that had these features, um, and you see the difference. Okay, going from Snapdragon Pixel to a Tensor Pixel, oh, wow these things are so much faster or, you know, coming from another Snapdragon Android phone to a pixel and going, Oh, these things are so much faster. Right. Yeah. The only thing that I was going to say was something that like, like I, whenever I'm writing about like an iPhone every year, obviously there's like a faster chip, except for this year with the iPhone 14, but like it's already so powerful, right? Like it, it's powerful enough to do anything that you want to do with a smartphone for the most part. And that's something else to keep in mind. So like we're talking about how it benchmarks under these other chips, but in the grand scheme yeah, of things, like point. someone buys a pixel, it's powerful enough, right? Like 
even the first tensor oh, yeah. is more powerful, more than powerful enough to do like everything that somebody wants to do with a pixel device, right? Um, this yeah. is really just like people that care about those specs, right? Like spec heads that like that's really important to them. They want to have the best chip in their smartphone, that sort of thing. In the grand scheme of things, like this phone, whether it's got the first tensor or the second tensor, it's going to perform very reliably. At least that's like how I look at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I think, a really good way to look at it. Um, and like, you know, even with the Pixel 5, the Pixel 5 didn't have an 8 series uh, Snapdragon. It didn't have a flag- flagship uh, Snapdragon chip. It had, some, like, I think, the 765, if I remember correctly. I think that sounds um, right. Yeah. Which was, Definitely 760 I think, the same something. chip. It was the same chip that they had in the 4A 5G. Um, and I think the 4A was a 730. Uh, but anyway, what are, the point is, it was a 700 series chip in the in the Pixel 5. It wasn't a flagship chip, but the Pixel 5 still was a great experience. Um, it did everything you needed it to do. It was snappy and fast because, you know, software optimization and, that's what matters and stuff like that. The most. I kind of miss Google like competing in this like under a thousand dollar point. I guess the Pixel Six yeah. definitely does, but it feels more flagshipy. Where it was like the Pixel Four A Five G was like competing with stuff like the Nothing Phone nowadays, and like these like five hundred dollar phones, which is like a really fun market to be in. But well, there's there's still the Six A, which I would argue is you're right. I totally really that, good, but... really good value because it's got the same Tensor chip as the Pixel yeah. Six, but it's like two hundred dollars cheaper. And Google's like great camera processing from like two years ago, which is way better than what you're going to get from a lot of $500 phones. Yeah. Fair enough. I forgot what the fit. Ah, imagine if they just slid out like a 7A. I mean, they probably save it for next summer, but it'd be cool. They to will. Get like a whole lineup at once. Yeah. It'll, it'll but I mean, show like, up eventually. Like, like, I don't know. I just want like something to surprise us next week, you know? Speaking of pricing, what is the expectation for the 7 and the 7 Pro, like, are they going to tack on a few hundred dollars because of inflation or the value of the Canadian dollar? Are we expecting, like, pretty much on par with the 6 and the 6 Pro? Yeah, so um, there was a big leak uh, from Target that revealed the U.S. pricing, and the U.S. pricing is staying the same. So the Pixel okay. 7 is going to cost the same as the Pixel 6 did at launch, and the Pixel 7 Pro is going to cost the same as the Pixel 6 Pro did at launch in the U.S., um, presumably it's not going to change in Canada, but we just don't know yet. So what's it's that possible put it at? that Pixel they could 6, change the pricing. Bucks? What's that? So that means the Pixel 6 would be like 800 bucks here and the 6 Pro is like 1200 or is it only 1100 I don't remember. It, it was, was like 1180 I think. So yeah, so in Dean's roundup, he has like with the, based on like the conversion at the time of when he wrote the story, 1179 for the Pro. And then... So that seven ninety nine for the seven. That's not a conversion. That's just what the Pixel Six and Pixel Six Pro cost in Canada at launch. Oh, okay. Um, the converted price. If you convert the USD price to Canadian, it's actually a little bit more than those prices. So we could see um, a higher cost in Canada for the Pixel Seven and Seven Pro. Um, hopefully, we don't. I hope they keep. The yeah, price hopefully the same. not. Um, I think so. Apple Unless they significantly the improve. Uh, well, you could argue that they kind of like changed it because they got rid of the mini and added the plus, which sort of like changed the delta of low end to high end. But sure. um, but yeah, definitely they, they didn't change the like iPhone price. The base, and people one. expected them to. They thought they were going to tack on a few hundred bucks and they didn't. So I, I don't know if that pressures Google to do uh, adopt something similar. 
Yeah, I would I would take a, a slightly higher price maybe on the Pixel 6 because I did like it so much, even with the issues that I had. But it's like at that point with the competition you've got, it's like maybe I want like a little, you know, I want some like dumb extras, like a charger in the box again, maybe, you know, like yeah. just like really sell it to me at that like competitive mark. Don't like be like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's here. Because like a I, lot I of the could... phones at that mark are, have a lot of extra like pop to them, I guess. I don't know. I could get on board with a slightly higher Pixel 7 price if they did some stuff like, you know, bumping the display up to 120 hertz um, and, you know, maybe increasing the battery or something like that. Like if, if they made it, you know, worth a little bit more. Um, yeah. But if they're sticking with 90 hertz and stuff like that, then I feel like the price should kind of stay where it is. And it's, I don't know, my, my experience coming out of... At the tail end of the Pixel 6 series, we've got the 6a now and the 6 and the 6 Pro. And looking at the whole line together, I really don't think that the Pixel 6 makes sense for the vast majority of people. Um, because if you're if you're looking at the phones and you're trying to decide which one you want to buy and you're like, the features in the Pixel 6 Pro, I don't need. I don't need a 120 hertz screen. I don't need the extra camera and stuff like that. You save money going down to the Pixel 6, but you save more going down to the 6a for an almost identical experience. Yeah. The only real benefit that the 6 had over the 6a was the better camera hardware. Maybe but like a with bigger Google's screen image processing, like the vast majority of people are not going to benefit from that unless you're a real, you know, pixel peeper photo nerd that's going to like be pushing the camera hardware to its limit. Like I've been daily driving the 6a since it came out and I've never once been like I wish I had the Pixel 6 camera. Yeah, yeah. The Pixel Six is a fun photos. is a fun camera, but like I use it like I'm a Pixel peeper, like this kind of recommended for Pixel Six zone. But like when you use the RAWs, you're ended up with like 50, 60, 80 megabyte files, and those like build up so fast. Like I'm constantly having when I'm using the Pixel Six, having to like go out and clear out my Google Photos faster than I would have to for anything else, which is fun because I get lots of photo data to play with. But it's like most people don't would rather have like a more efficient storage and a nice photo rather than like two versions of every photo and one of them looking really faded and being like four times the size, you know? Becomes a lot to like take advantage of that extra camera, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not like it's there and it's better. It's like to actually get the most out of it, you're playing a lot more down the line. How do you, like as someone who's like a photography nerd, right? Like you write about even like DSLRs for us now quite frequently. How do you feel about the rumored camera? Yeah be quiet about it how do you feel about the um the the upgrades to the pixel 7 pro and 7's camera because like based on what i've seen from the leaks there's there's not like a new sensor it's all like computational photography upgrades correct me if i'm wrong but that's like the vibe that i'm getting based on the leaks that's what i'm hoping do you think do you think that'll be enough and like just a temperature check are you hyped about that yeah, so I, I've talked about this a lot. I mean, anyone that's kind of like followed any of the photography videos that I did throughout the year on our YouTube channel would probably have seen me reference this. But um, this guy named David Amell, who works for MKBHD, did a video maybe right when the Pixel 6 came out, maybe a month after. And it was all about how Google's like camera processing is still very much tailored towards like more the smaller sensors that are on like the Pixel 6a. And then when you add that like similar processing to the Pixel 6, it starts to like over sharpen things that because the sensor is so big, it's getting more of like a realistic look. I feel like the iPhone 14 is kind of falling into that trap. I know when we saw a lot of sample images, they were looking very sharp compared to last year, which can sometimes look good, but 
also can sometimes be a little bit of overkill, especially when you start getting also, bigger sensor sizes. Also some out there like wacky stuff with the sky with the latest iPhones too. Like it sometimes gets blown out and like has weird saturation and stuff like that. It's, it's very Samsung-esque in, in some ways. I didn't talk about that much in my review, but I just wanted to, to mention that uh, that's just something Just with regular that camera or with the RAW? When shooting uh, not know? with RAW, just with the regular okay. with the regular camera. Just some stuff that I haven't seen before from the iPhone in terms of like, post-production computational um yeah but but continue um, sorry but yeah i was just gonna say based off of like kind of what i learned from david and my own experience with the pixel i really like like i think a year of like really refining that pipeline for the camera processing would be like very worthwhile it's something that we saw before the iphone 14 where it's like apple had used 12 megapixel sensors for years and then by the time we got to the iphone 13 pro they were like we basically have the same 12 megapixel sensor in like all four cameras on this thing and each one is like honed to perfection as we've been using and perfecting this sensor for years so i think google getting another year or two uh with their 48 megapixel sensors on the pixel 7 7 pro 6 6 pro type of zone not that these improvements will come to the 6 but i think another year just honing that in will ideally make the processing a little better but on the other hand they could make it worse they could add more sharpening they could add more color pop they could add more like ai effects so we'll have to see how it turns out and uh i don't know i'm just hoping for like a nice like good photo with like good color but not too much like over sharpening and i'd like to see maybe them take advantage of that high resolution mode a little more yeah so just to jump back in i pulled up uh, a leak from july end of july um, that basically dug into the Google Pixel camera app and pulled out some information from that. And so based on the information they were able to pull out of the camera app, the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro are going to sport the same uh, Samsung GN1 primary sensor as what's in the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, uh, which isn't really a surprise. Like you said, um, it's kind of more of a pattern now to keep the same sensor year over year and develop and hone your computational photography around it to get a really, really good result. Um, So I expect we'll be seeing the sensor or a very similar sensor in Pixel phones for, well, in the Pixel 7 as as leaked, um, but also probably in the Pixel 8 and maybe even the Pixel 9. yeah, it'll be uh, interesting then, to see what they can truly change. Because now that we're into like this 48 megapixel, like 100 megapixel zone, it's like we're really getting towards the like how much you can push a small sensor. Like you could make this last for years at this point, you know, compared to before. Uh, they're also supposed to have the same ultra wide sensor, uh, which is where is like it? same as the six or the two phones will have the same sensor. Uh, same like same seven. as the 6. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the only real change is the Pixel 7 Pro's telephoto zoom camera is supposed to jump up to a Samsung GM1 instead of the Sony sensor that was in the Pixel 6 Pro. So a different sensor. Uh, and that GM1 sensor is supposed to be really similar to the GN1. Um, so that should improve the telephoto lens and probably means that Google will be able to use similar computational photography stuff for both lenses. Or Keeping sorry, things uniform sensors. between the two is exciting, yeah. Uh, and so, you, yeah, you should get more similar results out of the telephoto lens, and the telephoto lens should hopefully be sharper and all that. Um, and then the other changes uh, on the front-facing camera, it's going to use the same 11-megapixel uh, selfie camera that was in the Pixel 6 Pro, 
but that's going to be in both the Pixel 7 and the 7 Pro. The Pixel 6 had, I think, an 8 megapixel selfie camera. And there's a bunch of rumors around uh, the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro supposedly supporting a face unlock feature of some kind with that higher res selfie camera um, based on there's been a ton of leaks of Google developing a face unlock feature using the Pixel 6 Pro selfie camera. Um, So rumor, there's like a long running rumor. I don't know. If it'll actually happen, I am kind of hedging my bets and saying no, because to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to just do a camera based face unlock when you had the Pixel 4 system that was like actual legitimate good face unlock and then Google just abandoned it. it. So, yeah, but we'll see. Before we switch gears to the Pixel watch, I just want to throw out like one final question to both of you, since like Bennett, you live in a like. You use iOS, but you also use the Pixel device. John, you live in a pretty much an exclusive Android world. I know you still dabble in iPhone occasionally. But like what's what's your hype level for both of these devices? Like is this an exciting upgrade year for the Pixel line? Or is it similar to what we saw with the iPhone 14 series where it's relatively pedestrian with like maybe a few cool new upgrades very much an s year i guess is is what we saw with the iphone this year is this like a more substantial upgrade for the pixel this time around you want to go, uh, first, you can go first john oh i was gonna say you okay. can go first if you want i don't have much to say <laughs> um yeah so i would say i'm hyped but uh counterintuitively i'm i'm hyped because it's an iterative update okay interesting and what my thought process is is google's pixel line hasn't really seen a lot of iterative updates like this um i feel like most pixel launches have been pretty significant changes like if you look from pixel one to pixel two pixel two to pixel three there's pretty significant changes you know they change up the design of the phone a fair bit right um yeah the size the cameras everything like yeah it's been on a crazy path for the past like up until the six potentially yeah. And so to me, it feels like Google has kind of found a groove that it's going to stay in with the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, which is good because I really like the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro. They had issues, obviously, um, but I think they had, you know, they had good bones, for lack of a better term. And so the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro, to me, it looks like they're taking all of the good stuff and they're kind of polishing it and they're refurbish- or not refurbishing, they're refining it and just making it all a little bit better. And they're also trying to improve, you know, some of the things that maybe were more problematic. Um, And so, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see Google get itself into a space where it's going to follow more of an Apple-like pattern where it has a big, you know, new design, new launch and everything. And then it sticks with that for a couple of years and refines it and polishes it and makes it really, really good. because like at this point in you know the smartphone ecosystem and the smartphone market, I feel like you don't need to reinvent the wheel every year. And doing so probably sets you back because if you're spending all your time That's and energy and, and money redesigning your phone every year, it makes it harder to focus on the things that matter more. And like every phone at this point is, you know, a boring slab of glass. So, you know, stop trying to make it look crazy fancy and just make make everything else work really good um and also i think it'll help with pixel having more of an identity because you know if you see an iphone you're like that's an iphone you know it's an iphone 
everybody knows it's an iPhone, right? Yeah. Pixel phones haven't had that same identity. Um, it's never been like, you know, for me, I, I see a pixel and I'm like, oh, that's a pixel. But that's because I'm, I'm a nerd that yeah. spends all my time. Yeah, I'm always hyped when I see them in, the, in public too. I'm like, hey, hey yeah. there's one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. Uh, and I'm kind of excited from about it from that perspective. Um, I think also it'll give, you know, the average person, you know, if you bought a Pixel 6 and you're coming into the Pixel 7 Pro and you're looking at it or... Sorry, basically what I'm trying to say is if you bought a Pixel 6, you probably don't need to get a Pixel 7 based on what we've heard so far, um, which is great because I don't think anybody needs to upgrade their phone every year. I think it's, you know, it's kind of wasteful. It's really not necessary. Um, and so, you know, I, I really do want to see more companies move into this kind of, as boring as it is, if you're in a more iterative zone, you're not creating that pressure on people to upgrade every year and people are going to get more consumer friendly out of their yeah. devices. Their, their dollar is going to go further, right? Maybe if you bought a pixel six, you don't need to upgrade until the pixel eight or the pixel nine. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up. I, I think that would probably be what I would say too. Like I'm not overly hyped for the event, partly because they've leaked a lot or not leaked, but they've shown off a lot of stuff beforehand. Like they've even the Pixel Watch, they're like it's coming and all this stuff. But I guess that would have been anyway. Said that. Yeah. Well, since the last Google event in the summer, since Google I think, I.O. Right? Yeah. And they yep. basically showed off all of the products at I.O. and said these are all yeah. coming. Yeah. There's even a tablet that like we might see a little bit of, but we probably won't see the hardware of. Um, but yeah. So I guess that stuff is all kind of exciting, but not crazy exciting because it's already been kind of shown to us. But yeah, like John said, if they can truly just like start to like establish the Pixel line. And, and really hone it down for a year, that'd be really cool. Um, a good example of that is the iPhone like 13 to 14. We were all like chirping it when it first came out because they didn't rearrange it. But then when you look inside, like the repair costs are like basically cut in the third now because they like change the inside so much that you can like take the front and back off and all this other like crazy stuff. But like you wouldn't get to that point probably without those two years of refinement leading up to it. And now that's like a really exciting thing that hopefully will be on like iPhones moving forward. And hopefully Google can like discover and, and kind of come up with some own, their own little like hidden perks that just like increase the value without having to like push people to a new phone every year. So then the last, well, possibly last item we have <laughs> is the Pixel Watch. Like I, I was personally excited about this because like I, I'm most like 90% an, an Apple device user at this point in, in yeah, my You still existence. wear your Pebble, eh? 90% Apple, but you still got a Pebble. <laughs> I still have a subscription to Rebel too at the same time. Um, There's no way those like, guys are doing anything. You're just giving them free money at this point. What's happening I, I did, in Rebel? You've got to check uh, it out. <laughs> it, it does. It makes some of the, the services and, and stuff like that work. I think I did cancel my renewal this year though. Um, but yeah, this isn't a Pebble podcast, unfortunately. I'm like a big fan of the Apple Watch. I've like used one forever. But since the five, arguably even the four, like if you don't care about the always on screen, the Apple Watch has been entirely identical. Like I, I know there's been very subtle changes like with the six that got the bigger screen, but the, between the six and the seven, it's it's like the pretty much the exact same thing. Right? What are you talking about? Mine's blue and yours is green. Yeah, the different colors, <laughs> a, big, a big, a big, massive change uh, on Apple's part there. So like part of why that happens is there's no 
competition really in the smartwatch space. The only thing that you can like really argue is viable is what Samsung's doing, right? Um, well, the Garmin I those, stuff, I would say Apple like this year proved that that was maybe competition by putting out the Ultra. With, but anyway, we with don't the Ultra, to that. With the Ultra, yeah, sure. I do think that's a very niche market, and I have like a sneaking suspicion that the Apple Watch Ultra isn't going to like sell as well as Apple hoped it would. But I mean, like, just in terms of like mass market smartwatch appeal, I guess is more what I'm talking about. So Apple doesn't have like any real competition other than Samsung, and I don't think that those smartwatches are super well known. So I've been excited about the Pixel because I'd love to see like a very competent Android-based smartwatch exist and push Apple to do more with its like next smartwatch, like the Series 9. I'd love it to be like more of a redesign because we've seen the same thing forever, uh, especially with the with the Series 8. But based on like what I've seen so far about the Pixel Watch, like I don't know if it's going to do that. It seems almost like a, I don't want to say beta product, but very much like a first generation wearable, um, which is disappointing because I was hoping like with the power of like Fitbit's technology and like Google's prowess and, and like hardware design, like something cool would, would happen. And and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Something but, cool like, might happen. We don't know yet, but, but it might. The vibe <laughs> that I'm getting chance. like yeah. based on leaks is that, it's kind of half baked and and maybe I'm wrong, but that that's what I'm, I'm kind of, kind of feeling. And what do you, what do you guys think? seems like so a classic think, Google. Yeah. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all we've really seen of the pixel watch so far is the design. Um, the thinness is scary. Few, what's that? The thinness is what scares me from the design. Like we haven't seen much, but I'm like, will it last? Like the, I, the Apple watch is thick, but it, the battery life gets me through a day and a half and I'm scared that um, pixel watch who knows? The Pixel know? Watch looks pretty thick. In there was like a design showcase video that showed off basically the the watch from every angle, and it, it mm-hmm. looks kind of meaty to me. Um, I need to see it in person, I think. But yeah, it's a it's a cool design, but I'm scared. I do like the design. Like I, I I love the idea of a circular watch. Like that's why the Pebble Time Round remains like one of my favorite smartwatches ever. Like it looks really cool. Yeah, it literally like it looks like just like a little almost like a drop of water. Like, you know, if you have like those perfect like drops of water sitting on, on a table and it's like perfectly round and like domed and it kind of gives mm-hmm. me that vibe. I really like how it looks. I think it looks really cool. It looks really modern. So I'm excited for that. Um, Very fashionable. But uh, in terms of what, oh, and the other thing for the bands in the showcase video that Google did, the teaser video, uh, it sh- you don't see the actual mechanism, but it shows the bands being attached and detached from the watch. And the watch does this little like twist when the bands clip in, which is kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm curious to learn more about how that band attach mechanism works and stuff like that. Um, but basically what I'm saying is like the design and hardware, I think looks really nice. What I'm worried about is the software and how well it's going to work. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, so for the software, Google acquired Fitbit, um, but they're not, and they've made a big deal about the Pixel Watch being, you know, having Fitbit. It, you know, the retail packaging leaked and it says Pixel Watch with Fitbit. I don't know what that means. And <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows what it means. No, nobody knows what it means because yeah. the Pixel Watch is running Wear OS. That's also yeah. been very clear, yeah. right? 
And so is there just going to be like a Fitbit app on it that gives you access to all of your Fitbit health stuff? Like, yeah. how's it going to work? My theory. One of the leaks showed off the, um, like the like tracking the hardware on, on the watch. Like, you know how on basically the bottom of every smartwatch, there's a bunch of sensors for tracking all of your, your body. Oh, is it really identical functions. to the Fitbit? Um, so there's like a, a sensor array on the bottom of the Pixel Watch that's basically identical to the one that's on the bottom of the Fitbit Charge 5, I believe. That, is that their newest one? Yeah. Uh, that's their newest tracker. Charge. It's not their newest smartwatch. Right. The Sense... This will be out after that embargo lifts, actually, so it's fine. Anyway. <laughs> no, the Sense 2 has already been announced, so. Oh, just the embargo for reviews is... Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that Fitbit integration actually works with the pixel watch. To me, my biggest fear is that you're going to have to use like a bunch of different apps to use the pixel watch because you're going to need the wear OS, whatever wear OS companion watch there is. Uh, and if Fitbit integration shapes up in the way that my worst nightmare is, you're going to need the Fitbit app too, to do all of the Fitbit stuff. You're saying you don't know, Pat, um, but that's how Apple Watch works currently. There's two apps. Oh, you need you need two apps. Interesting. So there's the Watch app to set the it watch up app and to customize and the your app. faces, and then well, it's fitness. It's like called fitness, the fitness app. You can also get stuff from the health app too, from the watch. For sure. So, yeah, I that's guess a good so. Point. That one's I like think kind of, of a different one, but the fitness one is where I think like the Fitbit app will like definitely be in that same column of like this is you know you go here to set up your watch, then you don't really use that app unless you change your face a lot, and then the other app is like if you do do the fitness stuff. You're checking that every day. You've got like the widget and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind that's of where a good I point. I didn't, Maybe I didn't it think about that comparing bad, it to then. Apple. Yeah. Well, um, I think you've got a, hint, a point there, John, too, because like the Fitbit app currently is like geared towards like setting up your Fitbit and offering all of that in one place. So if all of that is still tacked into that app and you're trying to use it with your Pixel Watch, it could be a bit of a um, overwhelming situation maybe. But yeah, yeah, the Apple Watch currently is on two, maybe even three apps if you do count the health app for all your tracking and stuff. So yeah, that's so. that's one of my concerns is just how it's going to work with all these different things. How is Google Fit going to fit into this? Yeah, that's true actually, right? I you hope know, Google Fit and Fitbit just finally merge and become one because this is getting, we're getting like Allo yeah. versus chat kind of flashbacks here or whatever those all were called. <laughs> yeah, as much as I would love to see that, I am fairly confident that that's not going to happen because <sighs> as part of the acquisition uh for Google to get Fitbit, they had to agree to a bunch of binding commitments um, about how they would use all of the Fitbit health data. And one of the binding uh, commitments that Google agreed to for the acquisition was that they wouldn't mix any of the Fitbit health data into other Google data or use it for Google ads or anything like that. And so legally, Google has to keep all of the Fitbit health data separately in its own data silo as part of their agreement to go ahead with the acquisition. Um, and so as much as I would love to see, you know, a Google fit and Fitbit combination because yeah, like it's perfect, like call it Google all Fitbit. these apps. That's a great it's, combination. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe. Yeah. I could see Fitbit taking the place of Google fit and Google fit, like sliding back more into like the health focus, kind of like the Apple health app. Um, but yeah, I don't see them like combining, I guess you're right with like that kind of track record, but I could see Fitbit just becoming the main one and fit sliding into the background which would be sad because like two years ago fit got a really nice redesign it's a very attractive app but yeah that doesn't Um, always win so yeah that's that's one concern is how the wear app fitbit google fit how all of that's gonna coexist with the the pixel watch and 
I have a, uh, a sneaking suspicion that it's not going to work well. I think there's going to be a lot of issues. I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. I think it's probably going to be confusing for a lot of people. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it all how it all shakes out in the end. I could be worrying over nothing. Hopefully, um, it's not as bad as like the Samsung wearable app, where it's like you get the app and then it's like download this extension to use this product, to download this extension, yeah. and you're like in the app store trying to download the wearable app the first time. And you're like, why is there 19 wearable apps? Like, yeah. So I don't think it'll be that bad, about, but that's like the worst case scenario nightmare for me. What about stuff like okay? Are there any rumors? I guess this is two points actually. Are there any rumors surrounding anything tied to like? battery life and then also what about the app ecosystem because that's something that um apple has always had like a pretty significant advantage over over samsung smartwatches just because there's so many apple watch apps not that i like personally use them but i know that is something that a lot of people want access to with their smartwatches does the pix like is the expectation the pixel watch since it's wear os based will just be able to jack into all those pre-existing wear os apps we we're gonna there's a lot of stuff kind of in the air at the moment. Uh, some of the Samsung Galaxy watches uh, are already on Wear OS 3.0. Um, I haven't had any hands-on time with it yet, but my understanding is it's supposed to be a really big improvement to performance. You're still going to have all of your apps, Wear OS apps. That being said, um, I don't think the app library is as big as what you have on Apple Watch. Um, and that's mostly a consequence of the Wear OS ecosystem basically only consisting of Samsung for years. Um, <laughs> and even then, most of yeah. the Samsung watches were rising, running Tizen for a long time, so they weren't even really part Until of the recently. ecosystem. It would be interesting to see if this Fitbit integration is more of a Google Watch thing or more of a Wear OS thing. Because if, like what we were talking about before, where it's kind of like tying it towards Apple Fitness, that seems like something that you would kind of want to market with the software. But the Fitbit hardware being on the bottom makes me think it might be Google only, which is kind of a weird line to draw. But we'll have to see how this I, goes. I think I'm, it's going to be. I think it's going to be Google only. Um, yeah. I think they're trying to pitch it as like a major selling point uh, for the Pixel Watch as like, you know, their whole kind of health ecosystem is all going to be based on Fitbit. Uh, at least that's kind of the vibe that I've been getting from the rumors. So um, yeah. we'll see. Want, we'll see how it goes. I, I Yeah, I don't know more what the league said, but I kind of hope it works on iPhone just because of that like Fitbit thing might be a really good way to like upgrade existing Fitbit users to a Pixel watch, which is then a good way to like get them in the door to a Pixel. You know what I mean? be kind of a cool strategy if they did something like that because i could see like if there's fitbit people i don't know why i'm calling them fitbit people there are fitbit owners who are on iphone and very passionate Android, about so, fitbit yeah and then like this kind of almost seems I like a logical a upgrade because it's so much nicer looking we'll have to see obviously if the the stat tracking and the battery life compete with Fitbit on every level but yeah it seems like this could be like a really sly way into a hitting the markets outside of google's like existing reach i guess if that makes sense uh the battery life will not match fitbit i'm gonna yeah i, I know <laughs> i think thank you for reminding me because that was that was the other part of pat's question before the entire podcasting network burst into flames um <laughs> pat had asked what the battery battery stuff or battery leak situation was looking like and basically right. there's been two major battery leaks one of them said that the pixel watch would have a 300 milliamp hour battery and then the other leak was based on code from the Fitbit app that was basically a, you need to charge your watch reminder. 
and the way that the code and everything was set up is it seems like the reminder will pop up before you're going to bed and it will be like, hey, charge your watch before you go to sleep so that it has enough juice to make it through the night to uh, track your sleep. The sleep track, yeah. And it seems like the Pixel Watch is going to last about 24 hours on a charge, which is not great. Um, it's not bad, though. It's like not that's pretty comparable with the Apple Watch, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Apple Watch um, is like another couple hours on top of that, but not a significant. It's yeah. not as good as Fitbit. Um, yeah. So the, the Fitbit trackers, you can get several days out of them easily. Fitbit, I think, advertises five or six days of battery life. I think in my experience, I usually get closer to three or four, but that's still pretty good for the tracker. Oh, yeah. On the smartwatch, my Fitbit Sense, which is a year old now, so that could be a factor. I have to charge it every other day. Um, and so daily charging kind of isn't that exciting to me as a prospect. Yeah, that's what I'm used to with the Apple Watch. I I charge it every day. Like, it's just the same as my phone. I put it on the charger at night, um, which makes, like, sleep tracking and the body temperature tracking stuff, like, super weird because I have to, like, charge it a little bit before I go to sleep and then put the watch back on, which has always been a a strange thing to me when they, like, wanted to have these overnight features, but also you have to charge it before you're able to wear it overnight. Yeah. I always yeah, find I, too, I'm in a weird boat with the overnight stuff, but I have like this like plastic kind of link band and it's not like incredibly comfortable to sleep with. So I'm always like, I want to do the sleep tracking, but then I kind of want to switch over to my like soft silicone band. And I yeah, also don't want to do I that work. every night before I go to bed. So it's kind of this weird mix for sleep tracking for me where it's like, I'm interested in the data, but the hassle of actually doing it is a lot, I guess. So beyond the Pixel Watch, is there anything else that we expect to see at this event? I know there's been a few crazy rumors surrounding like a super high-end Pixel Ultra, which I just want to see Sundar Pichai smile. <laughs> He's gonna smile a lot and talk a lot about hardware. Stadia, I'm so. sure Stadia will be there. That'll be a oh yeah, a big, be uh, a big, a big point I, of the event. I would be shocked if they did anything with Stadia. Stadia no, is dead platform. Uh, There's going to be a specific please direct all of your angry tweets Stadia. about that comment to Brad Shankar. Yeah. <laughs> Stadia's um, number one fan. <laughs> yeah. No, there's going to be a Stadia version of the phone. It's going to have a big S on the back. It's going to have like joysticks built into the side. It's going to look like that Logitech thing that came out two days ago or two weeks ago Google, or whatever. Google Pixel Stadia edition. Yeah, but there exactly. Is, there is a tablet we might see, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So yeah. Google is working on a Pixel tablet, um, but they've said that they're targeting 2023 uh it won't come I, out but we might see it i would think yeah they might show off some more information about it some renders the back of yeah. it yeah because they they announced it at google io but by announced it they showed a picture of it and said hey this is coming next year and then that was it i think mm-hmm. i didn't watch google io because i was uh dealing with a newborn um, tough one or maybe a better one yeah. actually <laughs> I, um i was gonna yeah, say maybe google io and these like things that we're talking about now, like the, the the watch and the tablet, it's like we maybe we'll see them, maybe we won't. But um, what we learned at I/O is like Google is going full force into like developing its own ecosystem, software, hardware, both sides of the coin. So perhaps mm-hmm. we'll see more groundwork laid for that. I don't know exactly what type of things we'll see, but you know, improvements to Android, like fast transfer and all those types of things. Maybe some stuff about it working better with Windows or Chrome OS. That all could be cool things to see off. Although entirely software related, not a, Android not as 13 will be there, obviously. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, good point. Oh, and Android thirteen to to address the uh, the high end Pixel rumors. There there have been a lot of rumors about a Pixel foldable, um, but mm. not anything specific to this event. I would be shocked if there was a Pixel foldable at this event. Yeah, there's nothing there. Um, and you know, knowing Google and their track record with leaks. If the Pixel Foldable was a thing they were working working on and they were going to, going to uh, do at this event, we would know because it would have leaked. <laughs> it would be in a box, Fitbit included, not a big um, deal. There we were leaks it. about a possible Pixel Ultra, but I feel like that's a thing every year. There's always like these like, we see this one code name, it's called Sunfish, and we don't know what it yeah. is, probably a high-end Pixel. It's like always so. some fish code. Yeah, there was a, there was a bunch of there was a thing from I think a Weibo post for, uh, about different code name devices that were being worked on at a Foxconn factory, and one of them was supposedly the Pixel foldable, and one of them was supposedly this high end Pixel with a uh, ceramic back instead of glass. Um, but there's a lot of confusion around the ceramic one, and the code name has also been referenced in various like test scenarios so a lot of people seem to think that it's like just a test device that google has that you know they test new hardware and stuff like that on before they bring it into the pixel line um so we'll see we'll see what happens i don't think we're going to see anything crazy outside of um the pixel 7 series and the pixel watch we might get some stuff about a tablet maybe they'll talk about stadia although i doubt it Um, (laughs) stadia controller 2 better rumble Maybe calling it now, but yeah, I think I think we're pretty much just going to see Pixel Watch and Pixel Seven at this event, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises. I think you're right. With all the other Google events, kind of like there's like a search one and a home one leading up to this. I think it'll just be all of the events will be hyper focused on what they're like kind of about. I don't think there'll be a lot of surprises. There might be some Nest stuff too happening. Like, but I think there's there's a a Nest event, isn't there? Is there a Nest event? I know there's rumors surrounding like a, a a new wired doorbell and like possibly speaker stuff um is is the nest event attached to the google event or is it a totally different thing i'm not sure i thought it was a different thing i could be wrong john am i sounding crazy i don't know uh i'm probably i've I've, I've had my focus on pixel so no you've been more in the news than i have so i don't even know if there there is event there's just like rumors circulating so well we'll see but it it would make sense for them to announce everything at the google event, obviously because like nest products or google products yeah um but yeah, I, I think I think that's a relatively good place to wrap things up. We will have like a post event podcast, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Uh, Bennett will be at the event alongside Dean, um, so we'll have like stuff directly from the event itself. We'll also have like hands-ons with all of the devices, the devices on the on the sixth or the seventh, depending on how quickly they get done. So make sure to keep an eye on the website because we'll have a ton of content tied to all of the Google stuff that's going down over the next couple of days. And that's it. Thanks for listening to the Surfcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore work and of course on mobilesurf.com. Bennett, where can people find you? You can find me anywhere online at the Brad Fad. And I'm really sad that I missed the underscore in your name. I feel like a fraud now. Also, you can find me on the Mobile Surf socials, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. You know, we got 300 subscribers over there. Hop on board, guys, because it's, it's going to go somewhere. Does my Twitter handle even actually have an underscore? Oh my god! Yeah, I, you should yeah, know does. better than it me. <laughs> it one hundred percent does. Imagine if it didn't. That'd be funny. I would not be surprised if I'd been like saying that for 
five years and didn't even realize it. John. <laughs> second Patrick O'Rourke just raking yeah. in followers somewhere. There is someone who has that handle. I've tried to get it before. John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont. That's J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. Uh, no H as always. Um, and you can also find me on the website mobilesyrup.com where I write about Pixel and other stuff. I've seen him write about other stuff. It's real. Some, Sorry, sometimes. It's Windows stuff. Windows things. Yeah. You can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening and watching. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.